All right, what's up, Freedom Chasers? If you are looking to use Instagram and TikTok to bring you free organic leads, we have the show for you. We're going to show you how one agent made over 200K in net commission using this strategy. And we're going to jump into it right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. All right, meet Aram Gazarian with The Agency X. He has been a real estate agent for six years and he invests in commercial grade multifamily properties. Aram, super pumped to have you here today discussing social media strategy, brother. Um, let's just jump in and let's give me a high level approach, top down view of your strategy, and then we'll kind of dive deeper into it. So the formula I use to get a lot of my business or a lot of the attention for my business is a combination of entertaining and educating, right? Because I learned a long time. I used to make just educational videos. Nobody watched them. And if I just make entertaining videos, nobody calls me, right? Because they think of it as a joke. So when I can do a little bit of entertaining mixed with a lot of education, first they receive it and listen, and, they, uh, and uh, the audience actually respects you as a professional. So that's a lot of my content. If you watch it, it's a lot of, hey, I'm educating you while at the same time it's entertaining. Maybe I'm wearing something wild, like a fur around my neck, or I'm in a car. I'm, do, I'm doing something to gra grab your attention from the rip, and then I try to give you whatever knowledge I have. And uh, I started... Two years ago, three years ago, started making content on a consistent basis. And a lot of what I posted was what I was learning as a real estate agent as I went through my career, right? And I, as you mentioned, I invest in commercial real estate myself, but it didn't always start that way, right? It was a journey learning like what the best approach was, what works for me, what I think would work for others, problems that my clients came up with. So as I experienced things, I would extract a lesson and I would share it. Right, which meant my content was different than anybody else's, right? Because I'm not just sitting there giving you cookie cutter, three steps to buy a house, right? I'm giving you like real details. Like, don't forget about the furniture, because I had a client forget about the furniture, you know? Don't buy a dog before you look at the HOA dogs, you know? So there's a lot of like that content entertaining. What's up? Hold on. <laughs> don't forget about the furniture. So they moved out and they left the furniture in the house? No, as in like people, a lot of times people will buy property, right? They're like, hey, we got the down payment. We got the closing costs. We're moving it. And then they completely overlook how expensive furniture is. So now they get a credit card for twelve grand with a three to $400 payment just to buy furniture and furnish this big house, right? So it's just something to think about. So as I have clients go through that, as I go through that myself, I share my actual experiences because I may not be the greatest agent in the world, but you can't tell me my experiences are, are not real, right? Um, so that brings me a lot of confidence when I speak because I've, I've experienced it. It's what I did. Of course, man. You ever get somebody that has that problem, they don't have the furniture, and they rack up their credit card right before closing because that's happened to me. And it's like, hey, bro, you just ruined your closing. Congratulations. You can't, you have a bunch of furniture, but no house. Look what you did. Right. Um, fortunately, I like to prep my clients. Ahead. Now that I have learned, I prep my clients ahead of time. I say, hey, we don't use cash when we buy. We definitely don't uh, start any new credit lines. Nothing. You don't exist for the next 60 days. 
until you close. There you go, man. So I'd like to dive deeper into this infotainment concept, right? So let's say somebody out there doesn't think they're super entertaining. Like what kind of tips would you give them to be more entertaining or at least grab attention? Like you said, sometimes you just throw something on that's a little catchy or something like that. Give some tips there. So a lot of my uh, audience, like a lot of the traffic comes through short form content, right? So there's two ways you could benefit, even if you have no personality. Well, you need a little bit of personality, right? So one is on TikTok, you first have to consume the content to figure out what's trending and what's not. And it's super easy on TikTok. If you can spot a trend, early enough or even while it's happening and hop on it the algorithms are already supporting that style of content right so if a sound is doing well i would look at that sound and say how can i apply this to real estate right so it solves the entertaining side for you because it's simply it's already interesting the sound itself catches people's attention does that make sense so that way you can actually have a lot of virality now these videos may not get you a lot of clients because all they see is some person you know lip syncing right but that, that's going to bring in traffic, people that tap on your name. And then they're going to see that educational video you did. That's not as entertaining. That only got a thousand views. But that gets you three clients, right? It's the combination of both. Bring in the traffic, educate, right? Now, the second way you could do is uh, you have to focus on your hooks, right? Your hook is the first two to the four seconds of the video where I come in. I can identify my audience and maybe, you know, hit their curiosity do say something that's going to spark their emotion, something to get a reaction out of the, the viewer, right? And then you have them watching a little bit more. So the four seconds can get you watching for the next 10 seconds, which the, that's what the algorithm looks for, right? As more people watch, the more it shows it to other folks, right? So a good example of a hook that's going to spark curiosity or emotion, I can just make this up, like real estate will never make you rich. What? <laughs> that goes against any common knowledge anybody has, right? So then, now that I got your attention, could you like, you either watching to prove me wrong, or you watching to know what, what I'm gonna say. Either way, you're watching, and by the end of the video, if I know what I'm talking about, you're gonna like it, you're gonna comment, you're gonna follow, or you're gonna hate it and leave a comment, which gets me to in front of more. Love it or hate it, man, it doesn't matter, right? Um, I love that. So I mean, that's basically taught in copywriting. That's called a pattern interrupt, right? So you're saying something that they're not expecting. You're saying the opposite of their expectations, or you're telling them that they're doing it wrong. It's like, hey, realtors, you've been doing it wrong your whole career. This is the right way to do it. And this is why, and this is why the way that you were doing it before sucks. Um, <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. Um, awesome, dude. So I had to backtrack a little bit. So you're actually doing the lip syncing videos, huh? And, and you're finding nice traffic? Not as much lately because now I have like 45,000 followers. And it's, if I post a video, I know I could get two to 3,000 views pretty easily. So now I just focus on the more, you know, I establish my hook. And I'm trying to build my personality, build a connection with the audience, because you can't really do that with the lip syncing videos, right? That's just broad attention. And then the videos I'm focusing are just kind of like laser focused, trying to get people to know me, to like me, to trust me. Absolutely, man. Get people to know you, like you, and trust you, man. And your business continues to grow. Um, it's really that simple, brother. So you're saying somebody's starting off on TikTok? Maybe getting a little bit uncomfortable and doing some jazzy freaking lip syncing videos. Not a bad idea at all until you have an audience. But once you have it, you could kind of coast from there. Exactly. Once you built it, then you can start like, okay, talking about other things and not having to do all those videos as much. Let's get into the types of videos that you're shooting. Are you doing a lot of walkthroughs and things of that nature? Kind of give me an idea. Say your best two to three 
converting types of um, short form videos. So I do a lot of, I, do, I put a lot of variety into it, right? So I don't want people to get bored. Uh, and the main audience I go after is, you know, people who can buy or sell and specifically investors, right? And again, it's still based, whatever I'm doing at that time is what I'm sharing. So a lot of times when it comes to content, I grab my videographer, we'll go to my building, right? And I'm, I'm at my building, it's like a vlog style. As an idea pops into my head, I'll look at the camera and we'll make the video, right? So it may be as simple as, okay, this is how much it costs to renovate this unit, right? Here's a mistake I made on these floors. I bought the cheap ones. I shouldn't have done that because it's hard to install. They take longer. They cost more by the contractor, right? So as I go through these mistakes I make, I like to share those because they're very humbling, right? And then the other set is I'll sit down in the office with, you know, I'll get some hooks together and I'll just look at the camera and I'll go. And a lot of those are just educational. And lately I've been making... Every now and then I'll put a localized video, right? Why Chicago good property to invest in? Like why I like the Chicago market? And those get the most clients, but the least views, which is shocking, but it is what it is. Um, that actually makes sense though, because those are far more niche down and targeted. So even if you get less views, you're getting more intentional views. And that's the trap that people fall into, I think. With t And I fell into this trap. It's so easy to do these trending videos that gets you because my most viewed videos are all the trending ones, you know, like 2.1 million, 1.8 million, 1.1. And then I got a few over half a uh, half a million views. Right. But they're all trending. Right. They don't really get me any business. They just maybe give me a little bit of traffic, a little bit of views. It's easy to get under this trap of like, hey, I want the acknowledgement. I want the views. I want that dopamine dump. Right. But it doesn't really lead to money. And that's where people make that mistake. If it's not leading the money, then it's a waste of your time, right? Well, the attention means nothing if you're not keeping it, right? Or monetizing it, I should say. Uh, so the videos that do 3,000 views may only get me one follower, right? Or two followers. That's every 3,000 views, I get two followers, right? But I could do 30 of those a, uh, um, a month very easily, right? And every follower is following because they talk, they heard my voice, Versus I made them laugh or something. Absolutely. And I think one of another big trap that people run into when creating content is they want to answer really difficult, complicated questions, which is just the wrong way to go because 95% of the audience, they need to know the simple concepts, like the stuff that you learned in real estate school that nobody needs anymore. They need the simple information because they don't need the high, high level stuff because you know, the, the easiest way to connect with people that need that information is to go meet them, right? <laughs> yep. So that I'm actually really glad you said that. Uh, earlier on my, when I was making content is I would get on, I would try to make a 20-minute video, right? Going over the entire buying process. I'll give you an example. No one's sitting through and watching that, right? Versus literally, I don't have to tell you everything I know in one video. It's very important to know. I'm going to come in and I'm give you one simple thing, right? And keep it surface level because if I answer all the questions in my video, then why are people going to leave comments asking any further questions? Then that means I have no engagement and nobody even watched it that far anyway, right? So you want to come in, give this, you know, give the surface level stuff, right? And then let the engagement do its thing and then really see what questions people have about it. And then you can make se separate videos about those specific questions. Yeah. And then you could actually use those questions shoot new videos and then throw that up on YouTube and then pull in the SEO traffic at the same time, because YouTube loves specific questions in particular, if you're talking about a specific market. So it'd be a great way to repurpose that content. Cool, man. I am loving this. What other tips would you have for TikTok, bro? Lately, I've been doing a lot of 
stitching, right? I've been thinking about it. So if there is already a viral video, right? And the first five seconds got other people's attention already. You can just stitch that, right? So what a stitch is, it'll play the actual video for the first five seconds. And then it's your reaction, right? So instead of having to come up with the hook, an attention grabber, test it and see if it works. If you see a video that's got, say, 50,000 likes, the hooks work. It worked, right? It got people's attention. Whatever they said those first five seconds, it worked, right? So take advantage of that. Piggyback on that. Make sure it's, you know, it makes sense in your niche. Otherwise, you know, if someone's talking about how to be a farmer and then you're like, well, let me tell you how to buy real estate in the city. It's not going to go anywhere, right? But if someone makes a finance video saying, you know, buying real estate is a complete waste of time and you have you have some thoughts about that, right? Boom. You take that, you stitch it, and then you give your thoughts, your counter-argument. Instead of leaving a comment, make that a video. And then do you tag the person that you're stitching? It forces you to. You have no choice. Oh, interesting. Does that ever result in like some social media battles? Or <laughs> no? I haven't done enough. And, you know, it's always one thing I will note as if you're going to be trying to get clientele from making organic content, you have to be a professional at all times. I don't get into, I don't do politics. I don't do religion. I don't talk about those at all. Right. Uh, I, I know my lane and that's, that's what I stick to. Right. And you have to be professional. So if I'm going to stitch something, right, I'm not going to come in and say, this guy's uh, is an absolute moron. He has no idea what he's talking about because now I look unprofessional. Who wants to work with that guy? who's completely emotional about a topic, right? Because, uh, and if you do get clients that way, you're not really getting the best clients. You want the best, right? So I might make a video about, hey man, I completely understand where this guy's coming from, but here's my perspective as a real estate agent that might change your mind. Damn, that was good, right? But, uh, <laughs> that was actually good. <laughs> hey, write these down, man. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's how, that's how I avoid all beef. And I've had people stitch my videos uh, and as some have been very respectful, like, hey, I, I appreciate this young man for making this video, but let me tell you why he's wrong. And I'm like, hey, man, I get your perspective, right? So I don't want no beef. And I've had people saying, this guy's a complete moron. I'm like, well, you have no views. I wonder why, you know? So Of course, you want the viewer to feel an emotion. You don't want the person that you're stitching to feel an emotion. Exactly, right. Because it's what, maybe in his idea, in his life, in his experience, what he's telling you is the truth, Right. Because a lot of things that I know in my mind that I, I believe to be true that others may say is wrong. Like, for example, I don't believe that you should hold real estate uh, long term. I think that's stupid. But somebody else would be like, have you lost your mind? That's how you build wealth. Well, there we go. <laughs> well, there we go. Well, let's get into that. Why shouldn't people hold on to real estate long term? So a lot of the investments I do, I think it first comes down to what type of investor you want to be, right? For me, investing is my business. Right. So if I was to buy a property every time I saved up enough money to put a down payment on, it would take me 30 years to get the, the, the amount of properties I have right now within one year that I was able to buy. It would take me, I don't know, at least 15 years to do. Right. And time is money in real estate. So you're better off buying deals that are value adds. Right. If you know what you're doing, and you're a good operator. You buy a value add. Let's say I'll give you my seven unit that I bought. It's a value add. I bought for seven thirty. When it's all said and done, down payment, closing costs, uh, rehab, carrying, all that, I'm going to be in it around two hundred thousand dollars, right? I'm sorry, two twenty five. In year three, if I exit and the market is a little bit worse than it is now, I will make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? 
So for me, that I'll take that 250 plus the 225 I use, I get to now go buy a bigger asset, a better performing asset. And the bigger you get, the easier it is, right? The bigger I am, the more money I'm going to make. So when I hire management, I'm completely hands-off. Well, guess what? Now I'm making true passive income and it's enough to actually make a difference, right? And if I held something for 10 to 15 years, well, guess what's going to break the roof? I'm going to need a new boiler, right? I'm going to I'm gonna have to do tuck pointing. My parking lot is going to need to be paved again. All the units I just renovated are 15 years old now, right? So it really digs into your profit, and it's not. it doesn't really make sense. Versus I could just take my 250, which, you know, let's say, and, and avoid 15 years of headaches with the, with the building, and I could go buy a better asset. And then a better asset will sell for more a lot easier, so I then go get a better asset. So I could scale to 100 million within five to 10 years versus in 15 years buying two products. That's why I don't believe in buying. Okay, so this makes perfect sense. So basically, you're looking to upgrade the amount of units. And I'm assuming when you go to upgrade the amount of units, you're looking for a value add again, correct? So I never buy a property that that is completely stabilized. Because again, it's knowing what investor you are, right? My business is is real estate. So I want to come in as just like any other business, right? If you were to buy a business, the net operating income is low. If you know what you're doing, you come in, you fix up the business, and you increase the value, you sell, and you go do it to another business, right? So that's my skill set. So that's what I can do. But if you're a type of investor that has a lot of capital, like excess capital from an already existing business, and you just need to park it somewhere, that is the type of investor that does want to buy a property that's fully stabilized and hold it long term. Because that's, they're not really making money through real estate. It's a place for them to just put their money and protect it, right? Or you might be a, an investor that's just getting started. You only have $50,000, right? And you're working a corporate job. So you can buy a couple of properties and wait 10 years to build the equity and then start your investing journey, right? Because you're working 60 hours a week at your corporate job. You have no time to be a, really a full-time investor. So once you, that's why I always tell people, figure out what type of investor you want to be. You know, why, do you, you want to buy a stabilized asset or can you stabilize it yourself? Because that's where, as you know, the money is actually buying something that nobody wants and turning into something everybody is dying to buy. Questions. Let's talk about the two units that you have. Not units, two buildings rather. So you got one seven unit and what's the other building? Kind of give me an idea what your underwriting process was, what you were looking for. Um, let's get into the numbers a little bit. Both buildings are actually right next to each other. It's fantastic. <laughs> and they're exactly the same. So it made my underwriting process amazingly simple. And they're the when I say exactly the same, they're both the same purchase price, the same amount of units, the same type of units, same square footage, and same finishes, right? So really nothing changed. I literally bought all the same materials for the second building, except I did make a mistake on the flooring. I went too cheap, but it is what it is. Let's stick to the first one, just because I have more updated numbers on that. The other one we just bought in uh, November, so we're still stabilizing that one. So I bought for 730. The bank required that I put 25% down, and they put 5% of that 25 into an escrow account. So once I stabilized the building, I would get that money back, which I actually got back two days ago. So we're, we're in the green on that one, right? I went in. So what made me like the deal a lot is first the location. I'm big, big, big on location, right? Um, it is in a B-class area, which I really like because I feel like if you're, you're in a C, it takes too long for the appreciation to kick in, right? And if something – like if the market turns, Cs are the first ones to lose, right? Cs, Ds, 
and maybe the A's come the B's, right? <laughs> so the B is like the safest asset with so much value add, right? At some point, you're going to appreciate to an A, right? So I like that location. And then I looked at the units, and then I looked at the rents. Now, I do a lot. I work with a lot of investors, so I'm constantly running rental accounts. As soon as I see the seven unit, it's in LaGrange Park, and I'm like, they got one bedrooms rented for $800 a month? I already know that's low, right? So when I ran my numbers, I'm like, I know I could get $1,150 per unit. So that's an additional $350. I'm basically 30 40% increase on the rent just to get at the fair market value. I'm not like jacking it up. I'm just getting at the fair market value, right? That's $800 a month in LaGrange? Yeah, <laughs> that is way too freaking low. Way too low. And then what else really appealed to me, which some people may not like is, I love the fact that the units were tiny, right? Each unit is 700 square feet. So when I did my numbers, I was like, you know what? I can increase, if I renovate these, I could probably get 1300 and I did, right? I got 1325 for the renovated unit. And it only cost me $12,000 to do a gut rehab. Brand new floors, brand new doors, paint all around, new kitchen, new countertops, um, and I think I replaced the vanity in the bathroom, right? All that cost me $12,000. And I got high-end finishes because I only have eight cabinets. Of course, I'm going to buy the white shaker soft closing that like a little bit better. Of course, I'm going to put coarse countertops. I'm not going to go to Home Depot and get a laminate wood floor, I mean wood uh, countertops, because I it's only $900 to put quartz on there, right? It's so cheap. So I can renovate each unit, increase the value exponentially, and I'm like, this is a no-brainer. And that deal, my friend, was sitting on the market at a 780 per asking price for 80 days before I came around. Nobody wanted it because they looked at it and said, the rents are too low. It doesn't cash flow. I came and I said, the rents are too low. It doesn't cash flow. Hell yeah. Buy it, right? I offered them 720. They counted, I think they counted like 740. We met in the middle of 730. And I was like, let's go. Um, and it's worked out amazingly. It's kicking off after I pay my debt service. I make anywhere from twenty five hundred to three grand a month, uh, and it's fully leased out. Epic, dude. So, how much are you into these properties, and what do you think the value is now that you've completed it? So I'm all in. The one that I currently have seven thirty. I think like I renovated some exterior stuff too. I'm in at thirty one thousand in renovations, but I will be in an additional two hundred grand because I got to renovate one more unit once the tenant leaves, right? And I just put in six grand for things that are breaking the next few years. So I'll be all in probably like 220, 225, something like that, all in in the course of three years, right? And as of today, if I went to go sell my property, it's worth a million dollars. But for the record, I'm not selling until I use the tax benefits. That's a wise strategy. That makes sense. So, yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're a real estate professional. I mean, you'd be ashamed not to take it Of course, man. So you've said this multiple times, so I need to dive into it because I don't think enough realtors are doing this. You said you specifically target working with investors. So any realtor out there listening that is not doing this, tell them why they should be. When you are just representing Sally looking to buy a house, it's a lot harder to have control over your business, right? When you work with investors, you protect it because if the market is there, if there's a downturn, guess what? <laughs> I, I, my business just exploded, Right. And if we're on the uprise, guess what? My business just exploded because I'm working with investors. I'm always able to find great deals that are as in a, during an appreciating market. We're finding great deals at a discount, fixing it, selling it. So I don't really need 50 clients a year to do a tremendous amount of deals, right? 
I only need five to 10 really good investors that do decent volume, I'm good, right? And the second reason I think that me personally working with investors is such a value is as a real estate agent, we can all admit our job, while very important, very helpful, isn't hard to do. We're very replaceable by another agent, right? Running comps is not hard. Let's be honest, right? Showing houses is not hard. Scheduling appointments is not hard, right? But when you're an investor, the layer of value that I can bring on top of everything else that I can do is unmatched, right? Because if like a client came to me just literally just before this, I met with a client that came in here with a hundred grand to invest looking to flip. But because I work with investors, I have done so many different variety of deals. I knew the best strategy for her to use a hundred grand that she hadn't really thought of before, right? That's value add. What other agent is going to be able to do that? What other agents can go run cops on commercial property, residential property, tell you exactly how much countertops are going to cost you, where to get your uh, cabinets from, what uh, flooring not to buy, what type of flooring to get, where the clearance deals are going to be, you know, on top of the old original real estate stuff that we do. What markets are appreciating, all that. And it makes me irreplaceable. Um, so that's why I love working with investors. But people should know that it's a lot more time consuming. It's a lot more work. And you better know what you're talking about, right? And my my clientele, like you can't see it, but behind this board is all my active clients. Uh, my my investment clientele didn't explode until I started investing myself. Once you start sharing your personal experience with your deals, people trust you more. And I and you speak with such I speak with so much more confidence, knowing that I bought and fully gutted a single family house, and I did it in four weeks. So that I know like all the methods I had in my, in my brain that how I would do it actually worked, right? And we actually had a profit. The way I comped it out, the location I picked, the type of property I bought, the lower my renovation expenses, all worked for me to fix it in four weeks, sell it, and make $50,000 on my first flip. In 2022, which is not an easy thing to do, right? Good luck getting a discount these days, right? So when I, when you, you have to start investing yourself if you really want serious clientele. Because imagine someone $200,000. This is how I start investing in real estate. You've never owned anything. You've never done a flip. You've never rented a unit. You know, you've never experienced what it's like to be a landlord, right? You've never been worried about, what if this guy doesn't pay rent? What can I do on the front end to make sure this guy pays rent? You know, what am I going to do if he doesn't pay rent? You haven't had those conversations yet or those situations. I have, you know, and uh, it's so much easier to get clients that way. Not only that, but it makes you more valuable to your other clients. So you already mentioned a lot of things. Like you could be like, hey, this is only going to cost you X amount of money. This is not a big deal. Um, it's like, oh, hey, look, this looks terrible right now, but you really just need a coat of paint and it's going to totally change the whole room. Um, so don't even worry about this. I mean, it, it makes you far more informative when you're showing people. Like you said, anybody could show houses, man. I'm second generation when I was like, dad, how do I show houses? He's like, open the fucking door. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really that simple as long as you're able. I mean, you're focused on starting the relationship. I mean, the house doesn't matter because if you find the right house, they're going to buy it. So you, you're building foundational relationship skills. That's the only thing that matters when you're showing a house. And once you give somebody money, they're your client for life, man. And, and you just can never take advantage of that relationship. You know, you always got to look out for their best interest 24-7. And the relationships are so much better. I'm at a point now where I'm actually partnering with my clients. Because they're like, Aaron, we have the money, you have the experience. Can you just, let's go. No problem, right? 
so it just sets you up for so many different opportunities, man. I love it. Uh, and I think if you're, that's why I love your podcast, man. It's for agents and inv- agents becoming investors, right? Uh, I always say, if you're a real estate agent and you don't invest in real estate, it's like being a fat trainer. How am I supposed to take your real estate advice? Would you tell me that real estate is the best asset class to own? You don't own anything. That drives me crazy. Um, so all agents should be agents long enough to start investing themselves and because you've never met a billionaire real estate agent. Just remember that. The richest real estate agent you have ever known, net worth is probably no more than $40 million. That's the absolute top of the top. Yeah, and it's extremely hard to get there, which is which is why every real estate agent should invest, like simply because of that. Like if you're blowing the fucking doors off your first year in real estate, you're at like 200, 250. That is like amazing first year. I met wholesalers that broke a million dollars their first year. Um, <laughs> it's like, so get into investing. If you're an agent that you're, and you're not investing yet, there's more money out there. That's all I got to say. <laughs> there is so much more money with so much more ease and less transactions. Like I'll give you a prime example. My flip, right? Even though I don't like flipping, I did want to get it under, get it over with. I made $50,000, right? Uh, I, let's say 40 because I paid myself a commission. But let's say 40, right? Do you know how many, and that's just one house. Do you know how many houses I'd have to sell to make $40,000? I'll tell you. It's about $1.6 million worth of production, right? Or I could just sell one house for $336,000. Because I own it, I make forty grand. I do that three times. I have now basically equivalent of selling $5 million in real estate, which is a six-figure earning, a gross commission. I have not made that by just doing three flips. I don't have to show 55 houses. I don't got to go to a thousand different locations, deal with a thousand different people. Three transactions. That's why I never get people that love to pump out their transactional numbers. It's like, yeah, I sold 300 units. And it's like, yeah, how much money did you make? Because um, <laughs> when you do that, you know, your overhead runs up and up and up and up and um, it's a lot easier when you're making 40 grand a deal than when you're making six to 10. I like to run lean and have a profitable business, bro. That's all I care about. Cool, man. This has been amazing. Um, so cool. We just hit 2023, bro. What are your goals for this year? Man, I got some scary ones. So my goal for this year is to make $250,000 net income. Um, I have to make that because my lifestyle is now a little bit outrageous. I need to control my spending. Uh, but I need to make $250,000 net. And I have set a goal that I'm going to buy 30 doors this year, right? So last year, I bought 14 on accident. I figured if I commit myself to it, I can get 30 doors. I'm going to raise money, uh, which will be my first, my second time now raising money to purchase property. Um, so that's the goal there. And I want to do $12 million worth of real estate in, uh, production this year. And all these goals combined help with that 250, right? If I buy 30 doors... I'm, I'm pretty much 100K right there, right? Um, and that's pretty much $3 million in production. So I just got to make up the other nine and we're good, right? If I do $12 million, that's the 250. I have all the money I need to not go buy another door, right? So the goals help themselves a little bit. Uh, so that's my 2023 goal. But one of the things I'm doing in 2023, because I want to be completely out of the real estate agent business when I'm 30 years old. I'm 27 now. I got three years, right? And a lot of the reason I have uh, emphasized on buying 30 doors, because my uh, hold period is anywhere from two to three years on all my properties, right? When I turn 30, I will be exiting the properties I bought in 2022, 
right? So in thir- I've already made 400 grand when I'm 30 years old. So I know I'm secure, right? But now I need to make I become a millionaire by the time I'm 31. And that happens with all the deals that I'm doing this year, right? Because I'm doing 30 doors. These are bigger deals that make more money, higher profits. Um, and if I hold them long term, then I'm going to make a killing, right? So that's my long-term goal, to start building myself to have an investing business versus an agent business. And I want to be completely out of it. I might help, like, my, you know, day one clientele, make sure that they're supported, they're taken care of, but I probably will stop taking on new clients after 30. Dude, that's a fantastic plan. And I think that should be every agent's plan. Like, you start as an agent, that's how you learn real estate, then you start investing, then you just stop being an agent. Um. <laughs> Let somebody else make the money. Don't be so greedy, you know? Or, yeah, find like some green 21 year old pay him 25% to open doors for you. And you can just do it from the phone. Um, <laughs> absolutely tremendous stuff, man. Um, so cool. Anybody listening to the show, Aaron, where could they get in touch with you if they wanted to? The best place is through Instagram. If you send me a DM, I reply to all of them. It's Aram G realty. Um, that's on TikTok as well. Follow me on YouTube. Just my first and last name, Aram Gazarian. Other than that, that's all I got. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Aram, for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And more importantly, sharing the super, super specific TikTok strategies on the front end there. Um, and to those of you chasing freedom, don't forget, freedom is acquired one action at a time. So pick no more than three of the strategies that we discuss in the show and take massive action. Tell somebody you know that can help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 